The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, it's V-Day in the United Kingdom, at least. Vaccines are finally being administered after what feels like a very long road. 20 million will be ready for December. And I said, wait a minute, it is December. I just once again thought, wow, that's, that is pretty fast. And TikTok, not just for dancing. Young people are buying, selling, and browsing on social media. Shopify's president says these habits could change retail for good. These younger people are starting businesses at a much higher rate. Most of them are doing it on Shopify, which is why you saw more uh, more signups in Q3 than ever before. But the way they're doing it is totally different. Plus, Uber is veering off from its self-driving unit, sort of. CEO Dara Khosrowshahi is excited about the new deal with startup Aurora. It achieves everything that we thought was crucial and it creates a leading pure play in space. It's Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Big news. It's official. Health authorities in the United Kingdom have now begun vaccinating the public there against COVID-19. The first shot came early this morning on what has been dubbed V-Day. The recipient was grandmother Margaret Keenan, who turns 91 years old next week. The first 800,000 doses will go to people over 80 years of age who are either hospitalized or have outpatient appointments scheduled and to nursing home workers. Meantime, back here at home, President Trump expected to sign an executive order today uh, prioritizing Americans for COVID vaccine distribution. Now, the order would direct agencies to assist other countries in obtaining the vaccine only after enough American supply has been obtained. Unclear, though, how that would impact the vaccine rollout plans already in place. The news coming after The New York Times reported that the Trump administration actually declined an offer to lock in additional supplies of Pfizer's vaccine over the summer. And as a result, the U.S. may have lost its place in line to other countries. Now, the White House is disputing that report. Meantime, President Trump's executive order could be largely symbolic, though, as President-elect Biden is expected to set his own agenda for vaccine distribution after January's inauguration. So we're going to hear a lot uh, more about this today. But uh, big questions, of course, just about where the U.S. will stand in line um, for vaccines and uh, whether there will be enough or whether they'll come fast enough, which, of course, remains the open question for all of us. Joe? Amazing. That, yep. We're uh, just reading the... The conjecture today, it's just that uh, 20 million will be ready for December. And I said, wait a minute. It is December, is it not? Yesterday was uh, Pearl Harbor Day, so it today is. is December 8th. So I just once again thought, wow, that's, that is pretty fast. Uh, 20 million will be ready this month. Uh, and we'll see with the panel meetings. I think they can, you know, in the old days, I don't know if, if, if you guys remember, I was following it so closely, I remember you know, stocks like Synergen, and there are all these uh, these different uh, biotech companies or, or important drugs. And we used to sweat out those panel meetings uh, when they, we'd know that there would be an, an advisory panel. And we'd always say, of course, the recommendation of an advisory panel doesn't mean full FDA approval. And we had all these ways of following them. And these are 
the same issue, the same ones that that uh, that we're seeing right now. And we used to say uh, there were, were a couple of times when the, the full FDA didn't do what a panel said. That's obviously not going to happen this time. But right. it always took longer than than we wanted to as news people waiting for the panels. Hope, I bet you this happens really quickly. The, the day they meet, I bet you we hear quickly. Well, this is, and, this is uh, and hopefully different, that we too, though. Full I mean, authorization. This is, this is emergency use authorization that they're, they're, they're going to be voting for. Right. That, that's a faster process, too. 20 million. I, I, it's a good start. We won't be getting any. But you saw, I think that, that tape of, of the individual that we saw that was receiving the vaccine, that's, that's what we have to remember. And, and those are the yeah. people that, that we're talking about that, that really have a big problem uh, with COVID. And right. I, I constantly right. am struck by that. You know, if I go to the supermarket or something and I, or wherever I am, and I see someone who, who really is in, in, in advancing years uh, in age, yeah. and it's like, I, I'd be afraid if I were them. And they, 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 some, the, the frailty is self-evident. And I think we forget that, yeah. you know, that's that's those are the people that we really need to get going on. And we will hopefully uh, over 80. There are people 90 and above uh, that are that are getting it. And like, yeah, I've, I got I got a, I got a few years left. Let's go. <laughs> Give me this vaccine. I want to go to, you know, 110, which I think I do, too. Let's get to Eamon Jabbers. The White House is hosting a covid vaccine summit this afternoon that uh, there will reportedly be two notable absences from uh, that summit the ceos from moderna and pfizer hopefully they're busy <laughs> you know what what i've noted i we we it's going to be a, maybe the word of the year or next year maybe jab i guess that's always been used for for um for vaccines amen in in the medical nomenclature as a shorthand but i always thought of you know i jab you you jab me we we do different jabs but <laughs> A uh, jab is something we, we got to get used. In the headlines, I've seen it a couple of times, and it's like, what? Oh, I go, oh okay, I get it, uh, the, the vaccine. So start using I it. I just always viewed will. getting a shot as, as, getting a shot's always an opportunity to prove how brave you are, right, Joe? You go in there, you grit your teeth, you show the nurse that you can really take it, you know? So we're all going to get an opportunity to prove how brave we are this year, I guess. Uh, well, there maybe are twice, worse right? things than shots, uh, believe me. Yeah, there are worse that, things. That's absolutely right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. I just take a shot of whiskey, yeah. bite down on a bullet, and, and go for it. Uh, look, so at the White House Too today, sure. they're going to be doing this uh, vaccine summit. Uh, and this is all about uh, talking about what the White House wants to call an American miracle in terms of the rapid uh, rollout of these vaccines across the country. The president's going to sign an executive order today on American use of the vaccine. He's, this is part of his America first approach to the world, saying that the vaccine needs to be deployed inside the United States before the United States will help other countries uh, get access to it. Not attending it, as you point out, Pfizer, Moderna, they're not going to be there because of any potential conflict of interest with the FDA, which is still reviewing them. They don't want to raise that question, so they're not going to be in the room for this. Dr. Fauci, also not going to be in the room for this. They're saying that uh, he had a scheduling conflict and couldn't make it today. Uh, And the Biden transition uh, is not going to be involved today uh, in this event at the White House. But they are going to use this event uh, to really put a stamp on what has been an incredibly fast vaccination uh, development and rollout now and ahead of the process now uh, where we're going to begin to give this to all Americans. The White House and a senior administration official saying yesterday they believe now 
that all Americans will have access to this vaccine by the end of the second quarter of 2021. So just about seven months from now, they think all Americans who want the vaccine will have been able to have the vaccine by that point. And that, Joe, uh, is certainly some good news. Back over to you. It's great, great, great news, uh, Eamon. And you can't vaccinate everyone until you start with the first person. I remember back in, uh, I remember it was back in, you know, we were hopeful back in March that this was not going to take that long. And I was like, well, we got to get through April and May. And March was dragging on. I was like, you know, we can't get through April till right. April 1st and, and then get through that. And, and as it turned out, that that wasn't the end. But it's December. Well, technically, so that's, it's, it's still March, uh, you know, actually. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? I, I was trying to get yeah. one month to come quickly. And here we are looking back and it's been, let's see, three to 12 and it's been nine months. So you just said maybe seven months everyone could be vaccinated. But we're starting and that's I can't get beyond that uh, in the UK, at least. Yeah. But we're starting. People are getting jabbed and it's just uh, let's yeah. go. Let's go. And then, you know, the, the weeks will pass. Those are great. And pictures. the, the supply, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully the supply uh, shortages will, will will eventually ease. I mean, I can wait. I'm not. I don't need to get one tomorrow, but I'll wait my turn. But if it's within seven months, it's just that really makes me smile. Makes me smile. Thank you for making me smile. Yeah, Endeavor. I try, Joe. While the good news, finally, of a COVID vaccine is closer and feels more real than ever, the number of people infected with the virus continues to climb every day. More than 14.8 million coronavirus cases have been confirmed in the United States. And there are millions of Americans whose incomes have essentially disappeared in recent months due to economic slowdowns, unemployment, and the looming fear of social restrictions returning. Democrat and Republican leaders said yesterday Congress has two goals this week, to extend government funding and avoid a federal shutdown. Yep, we have that to worry about. And try to strike a deal on new COVID relief. A bipartisan group of senators proposed a $908 billion stimulus just last week. It all paints an odd picture for Wall Street. Investors reflect the broader worries in the economy. Talk about a stimulus is positive, but until there's an actual deal, it's all uncertainty. The Dow and S&P indices fell on Monday, the Dow ending a four-day winning streak. But it wasn't all bad news. Here's Becky with more. But the Nasdaq was up yesterday. It was up once again, another 55 points. And guys, that's the 48th time this year that the Nasdaq has set a new record. But uh, the, the March, start thinking about that. I was trying to figure out how many trading days we've actually had this year. To consider that 48 of those days the Nasdaq has closed at a new record is kind of phenomenal when you, when you really think it all through. Becky, yeah, I was thinking about those records in the Nasdaq and just thinking about the, the way it kind of happened was... Uh I guess maybe I'm glad I'm, I'm not a, a stockbroker anymore, because it, when, when this all hit in March, it took me a while to figure out that some companies were really going to be huge winners, I guess. It, it, you know, the market was just, you know, just collapsing and things were so scary and the world was ending. Meanwhile, really smart people thought about DocuSign and thought about Zoom and thought about Amazon and thought about and, and across the board. They, they, and then once they got on it, they 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 beat the bushes for anything that could be stay at home related. <laughs> and we kind of watched right. it and went, what the hell is the Nasdaq? And, and then it finally 
IK, I'm months late. Uh, thank God it's, you know, thank God. Well, we're reporters. We report on things after they happen. Uh, it would be unbelievable mm-hmm. to do it before. But that really just occurred to me yesterday that there were huge, huge beneficiaries where five years of growth was packed into 2020 because of, of the pandemic. And people smart enough to, and then some. to, to see that made three, four, five times their money. And what do you say, 48, 49 new? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's 48 record that, closes that, this year. From. And Peter Shacknow did the numbers really quickly on this. The average year has 253 trading days. We've got 17 trading days left this year. So you're talking about roughly 20 uh, percent of the time the Nasdaq setting a record on these trading days, which is kind of phenomenal. Tesla taking advantage of its surging stock price in a just released SEC filing. Tesla said it planned to sell five billion dollars in shares, quote, uh, from time to time in an at-the-market offering. Now, Tesla is set to join the S&P 500 later this month, and its stock is up, as uh, we've talked so much about, 667% uh, this year. But uh, taking advantage of the moment, another $5 billion. Uh, If you ever thought this company was going to run out of cash, (laughs) if you you can keep selling shares uh, at the rate that they're going, uh, that that, that won't be an issue for a very, very long time, if ever. It's a good, uh, Joe? It's possible. I, I see the possibility, Andrew. With the acceleration, I'm, I'm being won over a little. And, and I thought about it yesterday when I filled up and I, I looked at, you know, how, how many miles I had. And it was, I think, 345 miles on this on this fill up. And the last fill up I had was like it was more than a week ago, a week and a half. So if I could do 250 and, and, and plug it in, I, I, that would work, I think. And 99 percent of the time that would work. Right. I mean, 345. I've actually I've come around on that every time I go to the gas station. I think to myself, what this is crazy. If I just had my thing plugged in overnight, I would never have to go to the gas station. How happy would I be? I'd be so happy. I should have known. I I forget to charge my phone. I wasn't thinking of it that way. Right. I wasn't thinking of it that way. I was just thinking, you know, that the 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 distances that we're talking about would work for me. Ninety nine percent of the time. Um, Right. Very rarely. You're not driving now like you might normally drive. Because I can't believe how infrequently I'm filling my gas tank right now. That's true. That's true. That's true. But even if it was, I mean, you can plug it in every night, can't you? Well, you just stick it in there. No, you do. You do it every night. That's the thing. So we drive. Probably. No, probably we'll once drive. every two weeks. I we'll forget a, to charge my phone. Right. You cannot forget to, to, yeah. to charge your car. Then you'll have serious battery anxiety. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll drive up to Connecticut on the weekends for you know, right. 90, 90 miles or whatever it is. You got to fill it up right. basically, basically like, every time you, you do the drive. If you could just plug it in and never have to think about it, it'd be great. Yeah. It's not like you have to and drive. All the, Tesla, to all the, the people who own place. Teslas are watching this thinking, Sorkin, you're an idiot. This yeah. is what we've been living in for the last five years. You're like, right. you know, living 50 years ago. That was like my revelation six months into the, the uh, stay at home stock rally was like Amazon. Yeah, yeah that would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Um, you finally realized how great it is. Although, Andrew, I have to ask you, I, like, you where spent. would you park it? I mean, where would you charge it? Because I don't even know where you would park your car. That, it seems to me like it'd be a bigger deal in, for people in the city. Oh, in New York. So in New York City, unfortunately, as you know, uh, parking is uh, criminally expensive. And there are a number of lots. Actually, I think most parking lots now, for better or worse, have uh, Tesla, uh, stage, you know, Tesla or other electric 
uh, so it's there. plug-in things. Yeah. And I, I think you have to pay a little. Unfortunately, you also have to pay a little extra, I think, for that spot. So they, they charge you a lot already, and they yeah. probably charge you more on top. That I, I don't know the details on. But there are, I now, when I've gone into different lots, they, they seem to have the plugs. So. Yeah. Your, your case in the parking down in Jupiter Island right now anyway, aren't you, Andrew? I mean, what's Florida? I'm looking down there to see how much it costs. To no. Along with Goldman uh, Sachs. Anyway. Next on Squawk Pod, the president of Shopify is already looking past this holiday season. The e-commerce platform has projections for consumers in 2021, if we ever get there. They want to shop from independent brands, and that is a major change. 50% of consumers are looking now for independently owned businesses to support because they want to buy products and experiences and vote with their wallets for those brands to exist. We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Sorkin, along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Joe. Adobe Analytics says uh, Cyber Monday a little over a week ago was the biggest Internet shopping day in U.S. history with close to $11 billion spent. Uh, helping stores deal with this year's surge in online buying has been Shopify, which provides retailers with important e-commerce tools uh, Shopify uh, stock is up more than 170% this year. Today, the company is out with five predictions for the future of retail. And joining us now, uh, Shop- Shopify President Harley Finkelstein, who, um, why are you smiling? Are you smiling? For, it's not just stock. That's not why. It's because you're helping all of these startups and entrepreneurs become part of the American dream. That, I think that, that accounts for it. Does it not, Harley? Well, and obviously joining you, Joe, is always a great pleasure. But no, there's a lot to be optimistic <laughs> about here. Uh, tr- truly, this has been a transformative year for commerce, and it's going to establish the b- blueprint for the next 10 years of retail. And so let's get into the report here, because it's it's the first time we're doing this. It marries both global merchant and consumer data. It's called Future of Commerce 2021. We surveyed 10,000 shoppers in 11 countries, and we looked at Shopify data all the way back from 2018 till September of this year. So we know that commerce is a relationship between a business and its consumers. And so we sort of took both sides of the coin on this report, the consumer side and also the merchant side. And there are two critical perspectives that I I really want to talk about today with you, Joe. The first is young consumers are not only shifting their spending online, but they're engaging in shopping in a completely different way. But the second thing that I think might be surprising to your audience is that many of those younger consumers, they're also looking for creative ways to make money and they're starting businesses on their own. So on the consumer side, uh, the next generation consumers and merchants are changing the business landscape. 67% of younger consumers shifted their spending online since the pandemic was started. Uh, that's about, that's uh, compared to 54% last year. Now, their habits are also completely different. Uh, they are discovering and shopping via social media. They prefer to shop, and, and, and this idea of conscious consumerism is coming up a lot for them. They want to buy sustainable green products. 
but also they want to shop from independent brands. And that is a major change. 50% of consumers are looking now for independently owned businesses to support because they want to buy products and experiences and vote with their wallets for those brands to exist. So whether it's faster free shipping, it's conversational commerce or shoppable uh, social media, retailers and brands that will want that want to be successful in the future will have to do this. The other side, which is I think why okay, I'm smiling so much, is, is is go the ahead. rise of, of entrepreneurship by, by younger merchants. Um, many of those same younger consumers, they're also looking for creative ways to make money. And, and this really is the rise of, of the young merchant. So we know that uh, obviously those aged 25 and under are 2.5 times more likely to be without a job because of the pandemic. We also know that 35% of young Americans started a side hustle during the pandemic. The Census Bureau came out and said that uh, we saw the largest amount of business registrations in Q3. So what is happening is that these younger people are starting businesses at a much higher rate. Most of them are doing it on Shopify, which is why you saw more, uh, more signups in Q3 than ever before. But the way they're doing it is totally different. They're using avenues like TikTok. TikTok recently came out and said that entrepreneurship content is king with more than 7.2 billion views around that idea of entrepreneurship content. So what does this all mean? It means that the shopping habits of today are gonna be the influence, uh, are gonna influence their selling habits in the future. These young consumers are gonna be the shopkeepers of 2021. And the way they buy is gonna be the way they're going to sell. And I think this is some of the most exciting times of retail uh, of certainly the last couple of decades. Sounds like everybody's going to do better, like the pie is just growing, but that's never the case. It's not zero sum, but who, who all this disruption, who gets hurt? The, the resistant ones, the retailers that have been waiting for this pandemic to end, the retailers that are waiting for things to go back to the way they were, the status quo, they're the ones that are suffering. And you're seeing store closures happen all the time. But on the other side of the coin, Joe, you see these resilient entrepreneurs and these resilient retailers who are finding new ways to prosper, and they're doing really well. Shopify saw more than $5.1 billion in GMV over the four-day Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend. Again, Shopify is a proxy for independent retailers, and they're the ones that are most resilient and they're the ones that are benefiting. And you're seeing that with companies like Noble and Gymshark and Allbirds and Bombas and, uh, you know, Beyond Yoga. They're the ones that are winning right now, and it's because they're resilient. Those are the exact names I would have mentioned. I'm Googling each one right now uh, to see what the heck you're talking about. No, Harley, I, I understand. How you get what you're, I'm so in tune with all this new, uh, this new finagled, uh, finagled stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> really, we, we appreciate your time today. And I think you are doing uh, God's work to some extent, in addition uh, to being a great capitalist. Thank you. Uh, and helping you. everyone else. We'll see you later. We'll see you again. Thanks, Joe. All right, Harley. Becky. When I think shopping, I think Joe Kernan, especially online shopping. He's the master at that. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Uber is selling its self-driving car unit to Silicon Valley competitor Aurora. Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi. I think we've got the best team out there, and that team knows exactly what to build, and I think that's an advantage that Aurora and Uber bring together. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. 
brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. We should tell you about a deal uh, of sorts this morning. Uber selling its self-driving unit to a startup competitor, Aurora Innovation, the deal valuing that Uber unit at about $4 billion. And we should tell you that Uber's CEO, Derek Azrashahi, is going to join Aurora's board. He's also going to join Squawk Box this morning to talk all about it. Uh, Uber will be investing $400 million in the company, Uber spent a lot of money uh, on that unit. Travis Kalanick uh, has long talked about the need for it early on, uh, but it's lost a lot of money. They've created now a new structure. They're going to own about 26% of the combined company, uh, which is less, obviously, than, than owning the outright version of it. Uh, that's lost as mu- this much money now, but um, putting it together uh, with Aurora, and we will uh, we'll talk about what it means uh, for the industry writ large. Joining us right now with an exclusive interview is Dara Khosrowshahi, Uber CEO, joining us, uh, and Chris Ermson, uh, Aurora's co-founder and CEO as well. Good morning to both of you gentlemen. Uh, let's try to unpack this deal, uh, Dara. This was a, a unit that uh, Travis Kalanick years ago uh, said was so crucial uh, to the business. Um, now you're effectively unloading it. Um, spent a lot of money on it over the years, and you're paying to some degree uh, to to give it to Chris. So walk us through the thinking. Well, I think what's crucial is for us to have access to the very best and leading autonomous technology out there. This is technology that ultimately is going to make the streets safer. It's going to make movement essentially more affordable and more equitable. And we want to make sure that as that technology is developed, it is developed for the Uber network and is available uh, for the Uber network at scale. What this deal does is it essentially brings two leading teams in the autonomous space with a great leader in Chris. We have a special relationship. We're a big investor. I'm going to be on the board. So it achieves everything that we thought was crucial, and it creates a leading pure play in the space. So we are very excited about, about making this happen. Hey, Chris, uh, speak about the technology that you're buying and the technology that you have and how much more money ultimately you're going to need to spend. Because clearly one of the reasons that Uber uh, is uh, putting this with you is because they've been spending a lot of money on this. And I think there's an argument that shareholders don't like them spending as much money as they've been spending. Well, I think it's really about, about, as Dar said, bringing two great teams together with some great technology, right? And, and our mission from day one has been to deliver the benefits of this technology by bringing the, the ATG team, the, you know, the amazing people, the technology they've built over the last five and six years, together with what we've been doing over the last four years building Aurora, you know, we create something where we can accelerate time to market with our product and we can get there uh, in both trucking and rally-hailing and, and really start to see this technology on the road sooner than than any people think would be possible. Well, so that's the question, Chris. You, you've been focused more recently on the trucking business. How does this square up with the ride-sharing business? Well, we've always talked about what we've been doing at Aurora's building a driver that can operate everything from a big truck to a, a light vehicle. And in fact, we've driven all kinds of vehicles over the last, uh, last four years. And so this will help us accelerate the path through trucking. 
And then the work that we do in getting that product into market will help us scale and, and ultimately accelerate the rate at which we get to the right hailing uh, applications as well. So, you know, I think this is um, the right path to market for this technology. Okay, I, I'm going to ask both of you, and I don't know if, if we've, we've had these conversations over the years. Where do you think Aurora now stacks up relative to the other players in autonomous today? And, and how quickly do you think we're going to see a, a real rollout? You know, for many, many years, it, it, it seemed, or at least from the outside, that your former employer, Chris, Google was, was ahead in terms of being a leader in terms of that technology. Uh, GM with Cruise obviously has got in this business. There was Uber and now merging uh, with you. And then, of course, there's Tesla, uh, which is out there with so many cars on the road um, and lots of data that's coming in constantly. How do, you, how do you see them stacking up? Rank order. Yeah, so I think that the Waymo team, it's undeniable, is, is ahead technologically today. Right? I had the privilege of leading that team for many years, and there's just a lot of great people doing good work there. In founding Aurora, our philosophy was take the, the experience that a number of us had building this technology over over you know a decade plus, um, and come out and build the next generation of that. And I think that was philosophically the same way that the, the folks at ATG had. And so now, the combination of these the the great team we have at Aurora, this great set of people that's going to be coming over from from Uber with amazing tenacity, amazing grit, determination. You know that team is going to be the premier team in the space. Uh, and then the, the partnership that we're building with, with Dara and with Uber create the clearest path to market. So I think this is going to position Aurora uh, to, to lead this space ultimately. And we're, we're very excited about the opportunity in this next phase of our company. Dara, how, how quickly, based on what you know with, with Chris, and Chris can answer this as well, do you think that I'm going to be getting in the back of a, an Uber and there won't be a driver there? I think it's still going to take time to make this technology ready for prime time as it relates to passengers. You've got a regulatory framework to figure out. We've got to make sure that the technology is absolutely safe. But what we know now is we've got the best team in the business. And with the relationship that we have with Aurora, Aurora is going to know exactly what to build, what are the routes, what are the skills that the driver needs to learn in order to go after the largest segment of, of the market and essentially build that technology in the simplest way. So I think we've got the best team out there with a great leader in Chris and that team knows exactly what to build. And I think that's an advantage that Aurora and Uber bring together. Uh, in terms of run rate, given how expensive it is to invest in this kind of R&D and technology, Chris, how much more money? I mean, you're getting $400 million as part of this uh, directly from Uber. Is there more money to come that's going to be needed? Yeah, we, we will be raising money again at some point. This is, you know, this is uh, you know, an incredibly complicated technology, right? There's only going to be a couple of teams that make it there. Obviously, we're positioning Aurora to be one of those teams that's able to make this ultimately work. But we're playing for a, an incredible opportunity here, right? The, the transportation space in the U.S. is something like a $3 trillion uh, market. Uh, if you compare it to marketing where you know, Google and Facebook play, that's something like $150 billion annual spend. So, you know, the opportunity to have a profound uh, positive social impact, improving safety, improving accessibility, reducing the cost of getting around, while ultimately enabling us to to kind of revisit uh, and improve the quality of life in cities, I think is is incredible here. And along with that is this just incredible economic opportunity as well. Hey, Dara, real quick, uh, DoorDash going public uh, this week, a big competitor of yours. Um, what, what are you looking? I mean, it looks like the market's very excited about this and it may get oversubscribed. We'll see. 
Uh, but what do you think it says about where we are right now? Well, I think it says that the space that we are in, in terms of food delivery, grocery delivery, kind of delivery of anything in your city within the next hour is an enormous space. The acceleration of the market uh, has really changed the game there. And as it relates to DoorDash, listen, on the ground, we compete with them. But as a stock, et cetera, it's a great marker for our business uh, with Uber Eats. And the reason why the valuation is there is because the growth is there and it's ultimately going to be profitable growth. Okay. Darren, Chris, uh, we appreciate uh, you joining us. We congratulate you on the transaction. Look forward uh, to your progress and hope to talk to you very soon. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.